Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Jack Adjami Yaakov Ben Nazira, sponsored by the Adjami family as well. The week of Kobru is sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and uh, every day. I'd like to start with what we ended off with uh, yesterday. I got a message from one person. Uh, at least one per- at least one person. I know most people listen to the class the next day, so I'm sure I'll get more messages today before they hear this one. Uh, someone said to me, Rabbi, you, you told us you were going to give us the last letter of the Mansapach, of the five instances where uh, they relied on Sofim, on the Nevi'im, to be able to get uh, clarity when it wasn't something that was already given to them. They needed to find out the law. So I mentioned, MEM stands for Mekoshesh, uh, Nun, Nokevet Hashem, Tzadi, Slovchad, Pei was, who remembers? Pesach Sheni, and the last one, Kaf is Kosbi. Um, but I forgot to come back to it yesterday. So Kosbi was the last, was the last scenario when, uh, when we'll get to it, when we get to Parashat Balak, where Zimri grabbed this woman who was Kosbi and he did this act publicly with her. And, uh, and they didn't know the halakha. Moshe is halakha. Until Pedchas came to him and he said, didn't you teach us, etc., etc. And Moshe said, you're right. Um, the one that remembers, remember the halakha, let him be the one that carried it out. So um, that is from yesterday. So Azarko Baruch, for someone remembering and asking the question. And now, Dr. Michael Altman, you have the zechut uh, that everyone else learned that as well. Azarko Baruch. Okay. Uh, let's, let's get cracking. In our parasha this week, we read about a double-barrel mitzvah, a mitzvah that applies in two different realms. In both realms, it's called the same name. It's just a matter of where you are doing it. So there's onaat devarim, and there's onaat mamon. Onaat mamon means when you take advantage and you hurt someone with money. Lo tonu ishet amito. The pasuk says, a person should not uh, hurt. A person should not hurt his uh, his friend. But before that, the Pasuk says, When you sell something to your friend, Don't take advantage of them. When does a person have this concept of There's a whole concept of when a person overcharges someone by a specific amount. In what cases a person is overcharging is a good question. And it's, not, it's a complicated question. It's not, it's not for us here today. Technically, if I could sell something and there's a market value, a fair market value, because I could sell it on eBay or on Amazon, and there's some dib on the internet that will pay whatever, uh, you know, whatever happens to be that I ask him for, does that mean that that's the going price of this object? Or uh, is that not the case? So again, it's more complicated than we can uh, do, do justice in this class in the morning. But uh, in the cases of overcharging, a person f- commits the sin of onaat mamon. But today, I want to focus on onaat devarim which the Sefer HaChinuch writes is worse than Onat Mamon, is worse than taking the money and taking advantage of a person financially, is hurting a person's feelings, is breaking them uh, emotionally, is breaking them uh, uh, psychologically. And there's many ideas that go into this concept of Onat Dvarim, of hurting a person with one's words. Now, the Chachamim go very far with this. So much so as an example, like as, let's say a person decides... They want to go shopping. They walk into this guy's house. They take a look at all, into this guy's store. They look at all the objects. They write down the model numbers. And they go back home and they go on Amazon. Asur. Why? 
I didn't tell him I'm buying anything. I didn't lie. You walk into a store, person thinks, oh, this guy's coming to buy. You have no intention of buying. You can't browse in the store with zero intention of buying when you're going in. You know you're going to go to Amazon to get the, to get the cheaper price. Asur. The guy thinks he's making a sale. You, you made him feel, and then actually you had no intention. Asur. Now, I learned from this a tremendous lesson. Because whenever the Torah teaches you something, it's always important to understand that the Torah has a finite number, if you will, of instances, of cases, of stories that it's going to tell. And what it's trying to communicate to you is stories that will help you understand from that halakha, from that story, something which is similar to that where you can learn from it. Like we say every morning, there's 13 ways that the Torah is nidreshet bahem, that we learn uh, examples and lessons from the Torah. Now, if the idea that you can walk into a store where I've not said anything to you, I've not put you down, I've not said you're, you know, etc., I've not hurt your feelings. All I did was, I did something which might have led you to believe one thing, and now it's the other. Asur, how much more so when you actually hurt someone's feelings? There's a halakhai which says that if a person comes to you and they're asking your advice about buying a product, and they haven't bought the product yet, so you tell them the truth, you tell them, look, this product is, is uh, overpriced, there's a problem with this, there's a problem with that. Now the guy bought the product already. Halakha is, once the person bought the product, te'arev alava mekach. Tell them, wow, it looks like such a great machine. Fantastic. The food, the coffee tastes amazing. The, 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 you know, the, uh, the, the printer, fantastic printer you bought. It's a great watch. Amazing. It looks so beautiful. Unless the guy can return it. <laughs> if the guy can return it, then there's still some purpose. But for, for no purpose to tell the guy that he got saft, right? What, why, what, what benefit is that? Unless, again, you're trying to save the guy from going back to the store again, if there's intentions. Now, the Pasuk tells us something unbelievable. The Pasuk says, And you shall fear your God. We learned already last week that every time you see those words, it's God telling you, this is a mitzvah, that only I will know what your intentions were. You'll say, oh, you know what, really I'm trying to save the guy. But you know what, it feels good when you could tell the guy, oh, you went there? I have a guy much better. You got saft. People like to feel like they're hooked up, they're connected. I'll get you a much better deal. You got forget it. The guy ripped you off. I'm sure. My guy. The guy's not buying another watch. He can't return it now. What does it help? No, no. I just I'm trying to protect him. I'm trying to tell him. He, Hashem says, I know. I know what you were thinking. My friends, our gedolim were so careful with this. And again, I want to illustrate this point, the concept of hurting someone's feelings, not when you actually speak Lashonara, not when you actively go out of your way to put someone down, but when the lack of sensitivity causes a person's spirit to be crushed. I'll give you an example. I shared a story on Shabbat a couple weeks ago about the, about the Chazon Ish. Hazon Ish was once walking with someone and all of a sudden he just slowed down. He stopped walking. He was much slower. The guy said to him, is it, you want to stop somewhere? Do you want to go somewhere? He said, no. He goes, why do you slow down? Wait, are you, are you, is something bothering you? No. What's the matter? Hazan Ish didn't want to answer. Till finally the guy pressed him, pressed him. Hazon Ish said, look. He said, right in front of us, there's an old fellow over there. He's walking with a cane. Everybody is walking past him. 
How bad does it make him feel every time someone, you know, walks around him quickly and he is reminded of his infirmity, he is reminded of his sickness. Now let me tell you one thing. As fast as you need to walk, as busy as you are, I can promise you one thing, the Chazon Ish was busier. And he wasn't busy with silly things like many of us are. He was busy with the most important things of Am Yisrael. And the fact that he was slowing down meant that he could see less people, he could help more people, he could help less people, he could make less decisions, he could, uh, you know, write less Tishuvot, he could learn less Torah. I'm not walking past the old guy. There are cities in, uh, in this world that want to institute a minimum walking speed on the sidewalk. Is he getting in my way? That's the way the world thinks about it. The way is my way, you're getting in my way. What do you mean? It's his sidewalk too. No, but we're going to have a speed limit for pedestrians. Okay? Now, my friends, the Torah illustrates, promises, begs us that, there's all, that the gates of Ona'ah are always open, which means that when someone is insulted or someone is put down and they pray to God and they pray from a place of pain or of suffering, you don't know the damage that that tefillah can do to you in your life. Where do we read about this? We read about this in the concept of a poor man who needs to get a loan. And the Torah tells us, make sure, you know, you, you took a collateral for the loan. What did you take? You took his pajamas, you took his pillow, you took his blanket. Make sure you give it back to him at night because he doesn't have another pair of pajamas. This shamati says God, because I am compassionate. I'm going to listen to him. It's not going to go well for you when he prays to me about the fact that he doesn't have a blanket now. And I always thought to myself, what a crazy uh, world we, we live in, that the Torah's perspective on the world is exactly the opposite. What would, you, what would you or I say? You know, why do you give collateral? The reason why you give collateral is in order to give a poor man a loan. How do you know he's going to pay you back? Why would you give him the money? You're never going to see it again. The answer is, well, look, I have something of his. If he doesn't pay me back, I could sell that object and get the money back. He's going to want to pay me back because he's going to be missing the thing that I have of his. That's what collateral is. It causes a person to pay back quicker. Now, if the only time a person uses his pajamas is at night, and every night you have to return his pajamas back to him, of what use is that collateral? It doesn't shoehorn him, it doesn't squeeze him, it doesn't force him to pay back at all. It's a useless collateral. And yet when he prays to God, he's like, Hashem, you didn't give me back my collateral. You're thinking, well, yeah, you didn't give me back my loan. Torah says, no. Yishamati. Ki ani. God says, I will listen because I'm compassionate. What that, mean is, what that means is, God says, it's not that it's justice. It's not that it's right. It's that it's compassion. It makes no sense to return his, his collateral to him at night. Zero. It makes no sense for me not to say something in this scenario. I should say something. Are you aware where this guy is coming from? There was a guy, unfortunately, his, uh, his wife passed away. He came to the shul. Anyway, he's praying in the shul. And... Um, and one of the guys on Shabbat, he bought the Aliyat Maftir. And Aliyat Maftir, why do people buy it often? Because they want to say Kaddish for someone that passed away. So he bought 
Aliyat Maftir for $500. Or something like that. It was a lot of money back in the day. The guy standing there next to him, he hears the guy get up to say Kaddish. He's a little mixed up. People don't always know when to say Kaddish. He starts saying Kaddish with the guy from Maftir. Hada, the guy who bought the Maftir, turns to this guy. He hears someone else saying Kaddish with him. He's like, He! 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 And he's like this, making... I'll tell you one thing. I had one thought in my mind when I saw this. It reminded me of a story with the Chafetz Chaim. Where they say that the Chafetz Chaim witnessed a scenario similar to this. And the Chafetz Chaim says, and I was waiting to see what calamity would befall this person. Because for something like that to happen publicly, for a person to be embarrassed publicly, when he's in the most pain, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't let it slide. Kol hasha'arim nina'alu, all the gates are closed, except for the gates, it says, of Ona'ah. Because when a person prays that way, Hashem cannot help but answer his prayers. So my friends, what does it mean to be a person who is careful with his speech? What does it mean to be a person who does not cause other people pain? Number one, I always say this. How many times does someone say, after they said something, they shouldn't have said, oh, I had no idea. If I would have known, I wouldn't have said anything. You know what I'm always thinking when I hear somebody say that? So don't say anything. If I would have known, I wouldn't have said anything. You know what? You're never going to know. So don't say anything. My friends, the question that people have to ask sometimes themselves is the wrong question. There was once a, 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 a story where the granddaughter of the of the stipler of Chaim Kanievsky's father, Yisrael Yaakov Kanievsky. She walked in and she holds up a candy and she gives it to her grandpa and she says, Grandpa, is this kosher? And the stipler, the Rav Yisrael Yaakov Kanievsky, turns to Rav Galinsky, who was with him at the time, and he says, isn't this what people do? They ask if something is kosher to eat. They don't ask if they should eat it. A lot of times we think of speech and we think to ourselves, is it negative? But that's the wrong question. The right question is, does it need to be said? Even if it's not, even if it's not Lashonar, even if it's Mutar, is there any purpose in saying it? My friends, we are, as a human race, we are one of the only creations who is not forced to do the things that we do only in order to survive. Animals do what they do because of a survival instinct. They need to hunt for food. They need to gather. They need to run for health. They need to sharpen their claws. They do what they need to do. A human being is blessed with the capacity to do what he or she wants to do. And sometimes in that blessing lies a tremendous challenge. Because we just do whatever we want. You're speaking, Rabotai, you're speaking. Think to yourself, is there purpose in this comment? Even if it's not negative. The Mishnah in Avot tells us, 
One of the greatest fences that a person could have for wisdom is to keep his mouth shut. Now, we are in a society that values extroverts. It values people that are outgoing. It values people that talk a lot. That's our society. This person, wow, they're so dynamic, they're so charismatic. But a person who is introverted, who actually says less, but the things that they say are more valuable. Shouldn't that be person, that person actually be valued even more? The value of what comes out is much greater. And I always like to give people an example for this. Imagine you go to one ATM machine and you stick your card in and you ask it for $100 and it gives you singles. Right? You think that's very weird? But you come back the next week, you ask it for $200, it gives you 200 singles. You ask it for 150 the next week, 150 singles. Then there's another machine that gives you a $100 bill and a $50 bill. Which machine are you going to go to? Of course you go to the machine that gives you value for space, value for bills. Who wants to schlep that around? Who wants to get a pile like this in order to get value? Most people who are constantly talking are not giving you constant value. They're giving you maybe a nugget here and there. But a person who considers what they say, <laughs> you know, in a business meeting, there's a lot of people who say a lot of things. But the person who considers carefully what they say, who thinks before they speak, who whenever they speak has, has or says something of value, that person's words are respected the most. Because this guy, he don't shut up. He says something about everything. He always has what to say. The pasuk asking us to be careful with onat varim in some ways is asking us to be careful with our words. But I think it's also asking us for something more. And you know why? Because many of us have witnessed sometimes that our lips move faster than our brains. And we say things that a little while later our brain says to us, I wish I didn't say that. So when the Mishnah, when the Torah is asking you to be careful not to hurt someone's feelings with your words, not to lead someone on. You're dating someone you have no intention of moving forward. But you know what? I don't have anybody else. You're stealing their time. You're in a meeting, you're fishing for information. So you pretend like you're interested in buying the building. Or maybe I have a client, but you just really want information. You have no intention of working with the person. You're stealing from that person. The Torah is asking us to be a people who are considerate and who are considering all the time, considering what we do, considering what we say, considering how we act. When you walk in in the morning, how do you act, even though you're still half asleep? How do you act? to the person who's opening the door for you. Torah is demanding of that, that of you. The Torah asks of you when you, go, uh, when you go and you have a business deal and there's someone in the room who's taking notes, but you make sure to give the big smiles to the buyer, to the seller, but that other person, you know, you don't want them getting in the way. You're ignoring it. What do you do with that? You're hurting their feelings. The Torah says a person can be the type of person who's considerate. I want to share a story, a story that was almost a great story. I went to give a class last night. And after I went to give the class, I went on the way home, I went to grab a bite to eat. 
So I'm sitting there with my mouth and my food, my head over. No one knows who I am, just you know, like eating like this. And all of a sudden, I hear this two people standing behind me online. And they're having a conversation. And then one of them turns to the other. This woman turns to this man. I can't see them behind my back, but I hear the conversation. He goes, so what do you think about tonight's event? So did you like the speaker? <laughs> I start laughing into my food because I'm sitting right there. They have no idea. They're right behind me. And I was like, okay, this is going to be juicy. This is going to be one of those great stories. You know, and no matter which way it goes, by the way, if they're like, oh, wow, the speech was amazing. You know, I'll be like, wow, you never know whose spirits you're lifting when you use nice and you use kind words. And if they go the other way, oh, the speech was terrible, wasted time, it was just boring, you know, then I'll be like, you never know whose spirit you're breaking when you're sitting right there, you never know. <laughs> I was like, these stories only happen to me. <laughs> if you want to know what they said, you have to tune in tomorrow. No, I'm joking. They went to a different event. <laughs> they did. They actually were talking about a different event. So they started talking about this other person, and this one's speech, and that one's speech. Anyway, so I was laughing so hard. I just thought it was really funny. So I, 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 can, I t- can I share something with you guys? They did. I said, look, that was almost a great story. My name is Rabbi Fari. I speak in lots of different places, and I thought I was getting a great story. I just finished speaking at this event, and all of a sudden, with my head down, behind me, I had two people saying, how was the event? How was the speaker? What'd you think? And I was like, this is going to be an amazing story. It turns out it was a different event. Anyway, so this woman says, well, actually, the event that I was at was an askara for my father who was a very special man. His name was Rabbi Gans, a rabbi from Chafetz Chaim in Queens. He's a very special man, apparently, his daughter says. And she says, I want to share with you something that was not said at the Arayat. They said about him that any person that ever met him got a big smile and and was made to feel that my father was so happy to see him. There was never a time where he met someone and the person felt like, meh, oh hey, not of that. Always a big smile. Then she said something which I thought was very important. She said, and my father was not a smiley person. But he was judicious with his smiles. If he met someone, he switched on a beautiful smile, made the person feel that he was so glad to see them. And, and we were talking about how it wasn't a good story and it wasn't as good of a story and she says maybe one day it will become better when I was like I don't know how it could and then she walked away and I thought of the Mishnah the Mishnah says greet every person means with a nice face and I, I thought to myself this Mishnah described this rabbi. Because what does the word sever mean? Anyone know? What is the word sever? I have two, two, a uh, couple guys who speak Hebrew here, no? Anyone know? The Mifashim give different opinions. As to what it means. It doesn't just mean greet every person with a smile. It says besever. The word sever comes from the word, some of the Mifashim explain from the word svara, 
which means to think. Like a savarti, lisbor, I thought, give a thought to this person. Think about this person. Besever, panim thought. It wasn't natural for him to smile. He wasn't a smiley guy. But you meet someone and you see on their face that they need a pick-me-up. What does it cost you? Nothing. The chidush, the power of this mitzvah on Advarim says, you rip off someone with money, you, at least you made a few bucks. You made someone feel bad. What did you earn? Lose, use your logic. Think. You see someone's down, sever panim yafot. I believe in Shamayim, God is going to demand from us. He's going to open up a big book and on the front page of the book, you know what it's going to say? There's just going to be an uh, uh, emoji. And you know what the emoji is going to be on this book in the Beit Din Shelmala? It's going to be a smile emoji. And God's going to open up and He's going to turn to, to May 14th yeah, 1962. There was no smiles on that day. And he's going to say, he's going to show the homeless guy you walk past. And he's going to show, and the book is going to be given a lot of importance in Shammai. And there'll be other things that you would have thought that would be more important. Tzedakah, God will be more upset about Tzedakah. God will be more upset about, you know, these other things. And, and, and the Chinuch tells us, Onat Devarim is worse than Onat Mamon. And the Chinuch gives one reason. Because it causes the person more pain. I have another reason. Because when it costs you money, God says, look, I understand. You're a human being, you love money. But what did the smile cost you? What did the nice word cost you? It cost you nothing. How could you, how could you not give nothing? In Shamaim, the deen is going to be strongest on those things. So the lesson today is this. Look for opportunities to be able to lift people's spirits. Look for opportunities to drop a word in. You know what I always imagine when I say a kind word, if I say a kind word, if I'm zocheh? You know that game that they have in the, in the arcades where you take either a token or a quarter and you drop in the quarter and it has the shelves that move. And it's got all these quarters. It's got all the quarters right at the edge. And it pushes forward and the other quarters are pushed. It's got other quarters right at the edge. It's packed quarters about. It goes pushing this quarter. And it's right at the edge. And you try to push the machine. They make it really heavy so you can't even push it. What's the name of the game? The name of the game is the time where the quarter drops. Or maybe perhaps a better euphemism. To time when the penny drops. You get the right word in, in the right moment, knock on effect. You gave him a compliment in shul, he goes into, into work that day, feels a little better for himself, he's in the deal, the guy tries to, you know, to take a couple percentage points, he says, actually, I've done a lot of work on this deal, I, I really feel that I deserve. He stands up for himself, he makes that money, he gives some tzedakah. Your mitzvah keep rolling. This guy now has a great day at work. He has a date that night. He goes out with this girl. She's out of his league. 
but he feels good because not only did he get a compliment, he, he killed it at work that day. He even gave Sedakav Ma'aser on his uh, commission. So he's sitting there talking to this girl, and instead of sitting there like this, he's sitting in his chair like this, he's animated. She says, why wow, is something to this guy? He, he dates the girl, they finally get married. They have children, a family. Could you imagine that your smile built a family? These kids go to yeshiva, they learn Torah, they do mitzvot, they build families. And Shamayim, Boreo Olam, is going to bring the whole kid in Kabuto. And he's going to say, is this one quarter you dropped? All this is yours. It's that one word that you said, it's the one smile that you gave. You see someone looks, go to them, talk to them, raise their spirits, tell them a joke, give them a smile. Hashem should bless us to be agents for good, to be people that spread concentric circles of positivity, of energy, of inspiration, of motivation to all those that are around us. And Be'ezrat Hashem, as we lift them, when our timing is right, we get sachar and reward for far more than we've done locally. But we get the knock-on effect of everything that comes after that moment. Be'ezrat Hashem, we should be zochet to be a people's personal Mashiach. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.